want to find a reliable source for your Hot Toys and Sideshow collectible figures? If so, Modelzone.co.uk is one of the largest UK sellers of Hot Toys and Sideshow, so you can be confident buying from them. Unlike some retailers, they only take pre-orders for stock they have definitely secured and will keep you up to date with the latest release date information. And if the product price increases before launch, you'll still pay the price displayed at the time of your order. Even better, if the product price goes down before launch, you'll pay the lower price. You also get the free track delivery by secure courier, so there's no extra charges. The price you see is the price you pay. At ModelZone, they understand the importance of receiving your collectibles in perfect condition, so they ensure all packaging is perfectly sealed and intact. You're guaranteed a great service at ModelZone from start to finish. Check out Hot Toys and Sideshow Collectibles available to pre-order now at www.modelzone.co.uk. Oh, good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this, our prestigious sixth episode of our illustrious and sharply named podcast, The Hot Toy Cast. The classy and altogether upmarket podcast where you use your ears to listen and learn about all things high-end collectible action figures from likes of Hot Toys, Enter Bay, A3 Toys and Sideshow Collectibles. Every month or so, your host and I will review and discuss all the latest news and releases from those companies that make action figures we could only dream of as kids. Now, if you will, allow me to introduce your most noble hosts and our most illustrious guests. My name is Master Eamon O'Donoghue, also known as Eamon on Toy Boards. This is uh, Michael Crawford, uh, also known as Michael Crawford, uh, just about everywhere, and uh, Captain Toys at mwctoys.com. I'm Master Jeff Parker, also known as Wookstraw, many a toy board. Uh, my name is James Doble, also known as Jack Sparrow, across the internet. And our special guest today is Brant. Brant, sir, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us who you are? Sure, I'm Brent Bridges from Sideshow Collectibles. I'm the office panda, a collector, and uh, I've had the joy of working with the company for a number of years and love to tell tales about it. Excellent. Well, yeah. as, 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 that's, that's great. I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit you know, about yourself and uh, just give us an overall average view of what your average day at Sideshow Collectibles is like. What do you do? And just, just tell us your, your average day-to-day from 9 to 5. Well, I have the, uh, the the luck of kind of wearing a number of hats. So I get to float from the sales and admin side to the design and development end uh, through the photography and marketing and just sort of enjoy the creativity from all the different angles at uh, Sideshow. Is there artwork there ready for you on the table? I mean, do you have to approve certain sculpts or what, what's, what's you going I, I on? Wish, Go ahead. Yeah, I wish it started that that, uh, that magically, but that email thing is usually the best way to start and just sort of take a stock of what's going on in the world because such a really is a, an international company and we're working with the besides our overseas partners on the factory and artists from South America, Europe, and just about everywhere who are contributing to the overall effort. And then we come together, you know, say 10 a.m. to start reviewing art and talking designs and, and our plotting and planning and getting into the serious detail of what it is to make the collectible figures and statues that we produce. I mean, do you and that really carries the day. A breakaway for lunch in there. Mike? Yeah, could you give us a little background on Sideshow itself, Brant? You know, what uh, spurned them into the high-end collectible market, uh, you know, all those years ago, back before the Universal Monsters license? Yeah, I mean, great, great question, great story. Sideshow uh, was born as a, a sculpting studio doing prototyping work for other companies, and kind of doing its own 
thing at Rajkit Space. Um, Matt Falls, one of our, our principal members and, and partners, uh, great sculptor, phenomenal. And he was doing work for Mattel and Galoob and Hasbro. And the other uh, partners at Sideshow joined on early and said, hey, we can we can do other things with this. And that's where they started producing resin kits out of the garage and and started, you know, mad uh, model parties and and just really got grounded and established in kind of straddling the sculpture world and the effects world because a number of the early creatives came from the world of special effects. Ah. And because Sideshow is based in Southern California, uh, we're just a hop, skip, and a dump away from all the best of the effects houses. And, and so there was always a big exchange of talents and creativity with the guys from Stanlist and Shop and, and all the others you know, oh, in, in the neighborhood. So beyond that, you know, Sideshow took on its first licensing. Uh, <laughs> it was doing work, I think, with, with CBS mostly to do Rocky and Bullwinkle and Drew Carey <laughs> and uh, a number of other things, even, even predating Universal Monsters. But Universal Monsters really helped the company explode uh, during the, the little big head, three-inch figures, and then the eight-inch figures, and ultimately 12-inch figures. And that's when there, there started to be a strain because Sideshow, the art was exceeding, uh, and, and the ambition, retail price points and couldn't really hold to doing 12-inch figures for Toys R Us and, and Walmart and Target and things at the time. And Sideshow had to make the jump, and that's when it left the mass market and went into the specialty market and found a lot more freedom in the expression and, and sort of desire of, of what the artists at Sideshow really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's really been the cornerstone of the company. Um, the product has sort of evolved along with the interests and abilities of the principal creative members of Sideshow, which has brought us up to from 12-inch figures to quarter scale to life size and everything in between. Uh, and I, I guess that's a good segue to go to our next question, which is um, you guys have a number of properties um, that you put out products for. What would you say are your most popular or biggest ones? I guess Star Wars notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to surprise you with my answer, but um, it, it's Star Wars, Marvel, and DC Comics, you know, uh, the big three, the, the whole trinity. And the fans are pretty equally ravenous for all three of those uh, properties, and, and I think we're pretty equally passionate about them. Um, beyond that, it, it really becomes much more fractured with all the video game uh, properties and other, you know, other movies and comics and TV and film. It's uh, we really try to stay diverse, but Star Wars, Marvel, and DC make up the uh, the core. <laughs> Now, what what would be the main challenges and all that you think? I mean, you know, it's 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 especially you know it's so so competitive right there. Now, what 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 do you find are like the main challenges that you see out there? What are the kind of things like, oh crikey, this is popping up again, or you know, you're you're running into roadblocks here and there. I mean, what would what would be your number one bane or headache, pun intended? Oh, you know, it, it changes year to year, and I think in such as early years, it was getting access, you know, getting a, a a ticket to the game to go play with Star Wars and Marvel and DC, and just uh, earning a seat at that table. And now it's kind of staying on top of, of all the different elements that have to come together, both you know creative approvals, pricing, and and just the creative spark that make the magic you know come come in. And so it's not that there's one particular challenge that's really killing us. It's just the the dance. You know, it's it's an elegant, high class problem, I suppose. But just the <laughs> coordination effort to get all those things to line up is still uh, the challenge. 
but but there, there's no like one massive stumbling block that you always find it's like oh I mean I mean what is the is the communication and the relationships good with like the international distributors and manufacturers or any of these kinds of things or is there any like there's there's no like mad language barriers or anything something stupid no, always I'd, can put a spur in the works or whatever <laughs> I'd love to complain about but some of that but it's just not there you know the international audience continues to grow and especially you know Europe is huge for for sideshow and Asia's growing leaps and bounds, and a lot of that's because of the energy in the, the cinema these days. You know, the Marvel movie slate is just killer, and DC nails it with the Nolan films, and and, uh, and Star Wars with the new promise of more movies. It's just mm-hmm. heating up. The factory side's always a challenge, but that's just is what it is. You know, but Sideshow enjoys a freedom that most other companies don't, meaning that uh, we're not tied to guaranteeing nine ninety nine on a store shelf. Gotcha. We float a bit as as the tide flows. You know, we're we're ship out there uh, under the ocean, just riding the currents and, and enjoying it. Um, but we don't have to strain ourselves as much. We can kind of let the art dictate what the product needs to be, rather than trying to dumb it down to fit a certain price point or anything like that. So, no, I can't I can't really complain to you about any particular challenge. They're there, but we're having fun managing. Brilliant. Well, you know, I uh, I know you're a collector, Brant, <clears throat> and uh, as collectors, we always have something that we would be our ultimate thing to see somebody finally make. What would be your ultimate collectible if somebody would finally make it for you? You know, Mike, um, for years I got to see Indiana Jones. That was my dream. You know, uh-huh. there was not enough Indiana Jones in the world, and we've, we've conquered that one. At this point, I think the last property left untouched that I'm really hungry for well, I should say the next property, not the last, but uh, Blade Runner. Somebody's ah. going to do something with Blade Runner. Uh, that would, that I was would hoping you would say Blade Runner. <laughs> and we keep hearing rumors about new films and, and who knows what that might make that possible. What is a stumbling block there, Blade Runner? Because I mean, you, you're not the first person to say to say that you know there's a bit of an issue with trying to get a get a Blade Runner because there's a shocking lack of. All you know, Fifth Element still releases merchandise. Lots of movies still release merchandise years ahead after the release. So I'm just wondering what the stumbling block is with Blade Runner. Is is it a studio thing? Is it a director thing? What's 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 the issue there? I wonder. Yeah, and and that's exactly it. It's hard to even answer that. Um, it's licensing, and it's based on you know we're we're really wonderfully lucky that the studios see the value in merchandising the older films, and it's become such a big program. And all thanks to our our buddy George, you know, Star Wars, but. Um, those older films just they weren't set up to merchandise that was never really seen as, as such an important bit and I, I understand that Blade Runner even more than that just had a whole bunch of complications with number of owners and partners involved mm. so it seems very unclear very murky who really really has the power to approve merchandising deals yeah, I would bet too that that's that's early enough that they still didn't include like Daryl Hannah and Rutger Hauer and even Harrison Ford in any kind of contractual licensing agreement. That's right. So they'd have to go back. Yeah, to you've got a lot of big names there that you'd have to go back to and get. The deal come to us and they'll say, "Okay, we've got it all done," and Daryl Hannah will be the only one who signed on. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, a press figure would be all right, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, would, I would take a press figure. <laughs> I'll take a figure of like the noodle salesman guy. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, so, Brent, it um, 
the way you guys have a relationship working uh, with Hot Toys these days um, seems really great. Not not only um, like on your collaborations with Star Wars um, and other lines right now, but also um, it seems like the shipping time like between um, an Asian release of a figure and a U.S. release of a figure is getting shorter and shorter. Um, can you like address that? And just yeah, that is, is the there goal. Any particular reason? Um, it's it's a fun partnership. The folks at Hot Toys, you know, we've had the pleasure of working with them for seven or eight years now, and just watching their evolution and growth has been astounding. You know, they're they're killing it creatively and, and in production, yeah. and, and what they achieve is amazing. We're very proud of the partnership we have with Hot Toys, and it's fun to watch them uh, address the challenges because as you grow and, and your collectors become more more hungry and, and vocal and and they want more of the product, and you got to address that on, on a lot of different levels in terms of how you produce the product, how you ship the product, and the timing of all that. So it's something we talk about often and work hard to make sure that no matter where you live, yeah, we're trying to get it to you about the same time. Um, but I should probably just go ahead and say thank you to everybody for being a little patient. It's worth the wait on a week or two, but we're trying yeah. to eliminate that as best we can. And uh, as a as a quick part B to that, is it, um, I mean, I, I know you guys share the license um, for Star Wars with Hot Toys, if I'm not mistaken, but I was personally curious about um, how it works with G.I. Joe, if they, if they talk to Hasbro directly or if they share that license through you guys because you also have it. It's, it's a tougher one to answer than a black and white, but uh, we're both involved in those conversations and it becomes more of a threesome than a, uh, any one partner talking to licensors and but we have a nice relationship with Hot Toys, and you'll see more and more of this where, you know, Sideshow enjoys the chance to interpret. And we love what we've been able to do with the classic, you know, Real American Hero side. And Hot Toys loves to interpret and focuses on the movies, uh, first and foremost. So it's, it's a neat way to keep it very kind of categorized and help Hasbro and others understand what we're doing. And, uh, yeah, I hope that answers. So it's an action figure menage a trois. <laughs> awesome. Much more pleasant way of describing it. Yeah. Well, we know, we know you just you mentioned Hot Toys there as a, like doing really amazing stuff, and of, of course, like. But are there any other companies that you feel yourself that are doing really interesting work at the moment? I mean, obviously there are. It, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, like, obviously, that there's like guys like the the, the three A the three uh, A guys, and and there's Enterbay and all those and all those dudes coming out as well. I mean, how do you? Oh yeah. Uh, well, are, are there any other companies in particular any, any of those ones you'd like to like, share a few thoughts about well I'm, I'm glad you mentioned 3A because what Kim and Ash have accomplished there in terms of stylistic approach and, and yeah. just ballsy uh, ballsy development is, is impressive and they're, they're good hearted dudes too um, it's I'm a collector so I'm a sucker and, and I kind of dabble here and there and buy a little bit of this and a little bit of that right now, you know, between Figma and Revoltech and very much the Asian influence yeah. things. Uh, that's, that's sort of what's been sucking in my wallet uh, when Lego doesn't have its lock on it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but there's always something, you know, fun. And, and I, I'm more than collecting any specific lines, just enjoy the ingenuity that comes through. And it's, uh, almost every company out there has has contributed something new in terms of style, approach, design, engineering, you know, joints and articulation. And just, that's what really excites me these days. Brilliant. 
Um, you know, uh, Rant Hasbro's been laying off people. Things have been getting really tight. What what are the biggest challenges for Sideshow over 2013 and into 2014? What do you see as the things you guys are going to have to overcome to really be able to continue to uh, make the kind of splash you guys do? I think our issue chiefly is awareness. You know, we have to aspire to levels Hasbro's reached, and we're never, you know, aiming to target mass market the way they've done. But just to continue making folks aware uh, of who we are and what we do, because there's more there's out there that want Sideshow and, and Hot Toys and the other products we represent than we reach. So our focus is really on uh, it. bettering the art and platform of the art to then help us broadcast better and better through, you know, the Internet, social media, and all the different ways we can get the message out there. We have a Comic-Con every year in, in San Diego, California, and enjoy the heck out of it. And it's rewarding because we hear over and over and over again, oh, I've never seen this stuff before. Is this for sale? Is this a museum? You know? <laughs> and the, the questions like that are great. It, it, we're very proud we get that kind of reaction, but it's at the same time very frustrating. That means here's somebody who's a diehard fan enough that they're at Comic-Con. They suffered through... The, the hunt for hotel rooms and tickets and all that, and somehow they still haven't uh, found Sideshow. Yeah, that's pretty hard to believe. Yeah. Oh, did you miss that? So, that's it. <laughs> so you guys can help us. <laughs> Get the word out. Hey, I've been trying for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> and you've done a great job, Mike. Your, your reviews, your site, it kills it. And and that's what you know it keeps lifeblood pumping in the veins and it keeps the core satisfied. And it's just fun to see how many new eyes keep coming in. It's growing. You know, it might be uh, struggling a bit in the face of competition with video games or whatever it is that, you know, you want to attribute that to or just the changes in production costs and all that. But but the adult collector market, that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? But the collectible market uh, is still growing. And it's still, it's still amazing to see the, the number of folks jumping in. I, I'm of the opinion that if enough people are exposed to, I mean, you know, I mean, there, there's a local store over here called um, Marks and Spencer. It's a very kind of upmarket kind of a kind of a store, and I'm convinced, like, if if we saw a sideshow collectible, you know, um, Ultron or a sideshow collectible Iron Man bust in any one of these high end stores, I think people would buy 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 this kind of stuff. I just sometimes people don't know that they're geeks until they see something. Do you know that kind of a way? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. So I I I I think that can that can be the case sometimes. We can get new converts, and people just aren't aware that you can get these kinds of things. Um, most obviously us geeks of all are, are nose to the floor, and we've got our nose and forms and everything else. But I just think your average, your average what we mean to call punter on the street, if they had seen like a Darth Vader life size bust in the window of Sears or any of these other big stores, you know, it would get bought up. I think. I just think it's it's public awareness needs to be a little bit more. And, Hopefully things like these, like uh, mics and, and these kinds of podcasts can kind of help with awareness and things like that. So, But again, it's you're kind of preaching to the choir already here with these kinds of podcasts and reviews. It's kind of, it's pushing outside of the geek world that you kind of, that's the kind of like market to be tapping into a little bit, I guess, and to expand somewhat. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. And hopefully Sideshow will be, you know, stable and, and foundational enough that when the market recovers and all the stores, you know, begin to repopulate and we see the next... Uh, recovery kind of launch forward that will help them mm-hmm. with that great momentum and, and people can walk by <laughs> <laughs> pass through the Marks and Spencers of the others in the neighborhood and see such a product on display oh, for now we're come. really grateful for the comic shops and, and mom and pops that do support us and all the places it goes and, and we're just eager to help support them and, and grow it further excellent 
James? Uh, Brent, can you take us through um, like the sculpting uh, likenesses on figures from like A to Z, um, and especially, um, I think we're all curious about kind of like actors signing off on their likeness sculpts and what the process with that is. Sure. Yeah, it's it's funny too. I would tell you that the biggest change since I started working with Sideshow was about a, a decade ago now. Just to age myself here. Um, is that in the old days we used to have one sculptor do everything, you know, and and start to finish they were responsible for the entirety, and we've really grown to specialize. And so we'll have uh, kind of a a council of master sculptors who kind of part up and, and decide how to approach the projects, and and the digital side of that has changed the game tremendously too, um, in interesting ways because it's become a more foundational part in the same way. We used to use styrofoam and foam and, and sort of produce these big forms to then sculpt over. Mm. Well, now we'll have a digital sculptor approach that and uh, kind of shape it up and, and we'll print miniature versions to test and, and make sure that we like everything that's going on in the pose and the attitude and the engineering of the piece for production purposes and all of that. Um, so that's been fun to watch. And a lot of our traditional sculptors, the best in the world at, at clay and wax and and all the other mediums are learning on the digital end. And it just, the whole effort, it's an all-ships-rise sort of scenario. It's just fun to see how it sparks creativity in different directions. But, sorry, back to the point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when when we start a project, they usually get divvied up between a few folks who will all do their whack at it. We'll put it back together into a finished sculpture form, share with our friends at the studios. And uh, sometimes the actors have have an interest. Johnny Depp, I think, is one of the most uh, well-known sign-offs. Hey. <laughs> he's a big old geek. I, 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 I believe he's a big old geek. I believe he's a big old geek himself, actually, Johnny Depp, because it was, was actually a story here. I a think of, you're right. A friend of mine here over, over in England is a manager of Forbidden Planet, which is a chain of like comic book stores and like, merchandise or which sell like uh, sideshow collectibles, like loads of them. And uh, they actually closed off the store for Johnny Depp and Tim Burton just to geek out to themselves. So that's a, uh, certified, <laughs> that's a certified indicator right there, I think. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> what, what, about, too. what about Arnie? What's, 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 what's Arnold like? Does this right, sense? right. Um, he's, a, he's a fun guy, and he certainly has, has uh, a staff, I, I would say, is the best way to kind of address him. So Arnie does take an active interest and his people definitely do too and and it's interesting because he's he's interested in not just the figure itself but it's in the past relationship with his political messaging and how that all intertwines and nice. um oh, yeah really? so no, hey, nothing I, too compromising into cigars. Say that again? Nothing too compromising I hope. That, that, like you didn't <laughs> nothing that, that would compromise your integrity <laughs> maybe, I hope. No, exactly. Things just like you know, I prefer to be smiling at the moment. <laughs> as <opposed to> angry. <laughs> right. <laughs> I worry I'll tell you that the, Sorry. The sorry. trickiest approval we ever had to get through. Uh, I can't show the talent's name with you, but uh, we couldn't get him to sit down and look at the sculpt to save our lives, and we ended up having to get the product kind of smuggled over to his hairdresser, who then. Uh, sprung it on him when he had him strapped down to the chair for a session and <laughs> getting approval that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a fun fun game. Yeah, at least you didn't have Kiefer Sutherland burning your sculpt your toilet that <laughs> happened oh to McFarland. <laughs> hey, you didn't really need this, did you? I set it on fire. Oh, 
brutal. <laughs> uh, Brant, Sideshow has this terrific reputation for being a great place to work. It's all I've heard for many, many years, and people tend to stay there for a very long time once they get mm-hmm. in the door. So what's your favorite aspect of working there? <laughs> all lies, all lies. Um, <laughs> diversity. We just don't ever get bored. There's too much to work on. And, and really, the comedy of Sideshow is in the battles and choosing over which characters to do first and which costumes and which ways. And, and it's never for lack of an opportunity to work on something. And because the characters we do are so different, one to the next, um, but we're solving in a creative engineering production, it's really, uh, it takes a lot of thinking and, and R&D. So, yeah, it just never gets dull. Jeff? Hi there. Sorry, I'm, I'm, so I've only just come in. I don't know where you are with the questions. It's uh, oh, all very okay. amateurish. But, uh, well, I'll jump in here. A, uh, a lot of the uh, collectors that you have these days have sort of grown up with the company. You know, it's it's been you know a lot a, a good run here. Um, but we we've seen, especially like with the old Universal monsters and uh, some of the earlier license. Uh, you know, I was just going through cleaning out my barn the other day, and I came across the. Uh, Spinal Tap figures, you know. There's, there's oh just some, some great stuff from the old days. Oh, yeah. Have you ever considered revisiting? Oh, yeah, there's great Spinal Tap figures. I love them. They got the six yeah. scale guitars were just perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> Mike was the old, uh, the old Young Frankenstein ones doing that. Oh, before. yes, and the Young Frankenstein ones, too. So have you ever yeah. considered revisiting any of those early licenses again now that the quality of everything has taken off over the last couple of years? We do. We've added back and forth now again, and, and what we'd want to do, and especially with Universal Monsters, I think there's, there's just the the deep sadness that we don't have Frankenstein in production at all times, uh, as we did. Uh, I counted once. I think we've done 100, 104 different versions of Frankenstein or something in that ballpark. Wow. Uh, all said and done. So the short answer is yes. The long answer is it's so complicated figuring out how to support the company we are today and, and the collectors at the same time to keep everybody happy. So we do, uh, from time to time, just go ahead and do some indulgences and say, screw it the finances of the project we just want to do it we have a couple of <laughs> but I think uh, because we feel some sense of satisfaction that we those characters before were hungrier to conquer new ground say things yeah. we haven't haven't done yet um, and then we stumble back into somebody's shell for look at the old Buffy figures or something going ooh we could do that again <laughs> yeah. and take a stab at it I think the thing is, obviously, like as you say, your company's moving on, and there are certain licenses, like obviously the Star Wars one, which is kind of like uh, many people look upon it as like a license to print money. Um, but at the same time, you have to get it right. And I was just wondering, um, you know, w- within the kind of like the, the Star Wars figures that you've been doing, uh, are there any particular ones that you're kind of like you know dying to do, but there have been licensing issues? And I'm also wondering now that obviously the mouse is in control of the Star Wars license. Are there any new negotiations that are going to have to go on there? And, and specifically asking about Star Wars, correct? Just uh, fun stuff we'd want to do with Star Wars? Yeah. yeah I, I apologize, I, I missed... Uh, just oh, question, sorry. But, um, no, I was just, yeah, I was just saying it's kind of, a, obviously it's an ever-popular and evergreen license. And uh, I was just thinking there were right. some characters, obviously, that um, I wonder if you're eager to do, but haven't been able to do because of licensing issues uh, or, or character um, likeness issues. And I also wondered if now that, um, uh, that Disney are in control of the... Of the the, the Star Wars franchise, if that meant there was going to be any new uh, negotiations that had to go on with the company? I think, uh, yeah, great, great question. We're still waiting for an official formal answer, but, you know, we've been through this before in, in yeah. watching how Disney and Marvel uh, tuned up and 
it really only meant good things for yeah. that show in, in terms of opportunity. And that's my expectation too with Star Wars is we're going to see um, between all the new films and 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 resurgence of interest with the uh, you know, newer younger fans especially that it's just going to be explosively catalytically good. And yeah. I have no no real concerns in that regard whatsoever. Just eager to see the new the new characters and new uh, stories come to life. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. As far as the classic stuff, you know, one of the beauties, Lucasfilm has been so comprehensive. I, I can only think of just the Tonica sisters, where I've heard the hint of any kind of forbidden. <laughs> uh, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any other character off off limits. They've done such a great job of, of keeping it all of the family. Yeah. No. But is, is it a well? Known, is it known why the Tonica sisters are a are a, are a no go area? It's pretty in in at least insofar as people who collect like the Hasbro stuff. Yeah. Um, know that. I guess. So I guess we can confirm Sideshow will not be doing the Tonica sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I'm I'm here saying as a Hasbro fan who's bought every canteen creature ever made, that's my my just little little hope and desire, and that's where I'm pulling that from. Not from anything we've ever heard. We've never been denied a character that we wanted to do uh, ever. Oh, you could break some serious ground with that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking I know. <laughs> what characters are these? Who, who, the Who sisters? There are two chicks in the cantina. Like in the cantina that oh, the chicks in the cantina! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They've never had figures ever, have they? They've had Hasbro that's figures. That's what they're saying. That's, that's the, well, so I wasn't saying that's a problem, but I, I, I don't see it as being that big an issue personally, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just call yourself your head. <laughs> I would imagine through Brant's career, he meets quite a lot of crazy heads and some interesting people and stuff like that. Is there anybody, do you still get like starstruck? Is there anybody that you particularly like, whoa, I just met such and such? Or is there anybody that still kind of like rocks your socks a little bit? Oh, my, my answer is so geeky fanboy, truly, um, because it's been wonderful. We've hung out with the crew from Lord of the Rings and had drinks with Elijah Wood and, I mean, just could brag and name drop all day. And none of them have really been starstruck moments. I just enjoy them. It's genuinely, we haven't had a bad experience with any celebrity. There's nice people for the most part. Um, but I'll tell you the one that really formed me was George Lucas. My second or third visit to the ranch, we were unloading prototypes out of the trunk of the car. And I had my hands on something good delicate. And the flailed one pulled up in the car behind us, parked, got out of the car, and started walking up. And I just wasn't prepared for it. Got me off guard, and I turned around, and there he was, and, and he just had fingers, and, and I dropped the prototype. No. <laughs> and I had to admit, like, all right, I'm, I'm a little starstruck for George Lucas. That's true. <laughs> That's a hell of a story. story. And Mike? Um, I'm missing the last question. Why don't you grab it, Eamon? Ah, okay, well, Hot Toys have shown some high degree of ambition in the sixth inch, or the, the, sorry, the one-sixth vehicles they have been creating. Do sideshows have any plans in this department? Is there anything you can share with us on the vehicles front? One-sixth vehicles. Which is <laughs> <laughs> I think you've seen some evidence that uh, Thatcher does have some ambition that way with our SAP, the Battle Droid set, and um, we've definitely got some irons in the fire 
on other Star Wars vehicles where, um, I don't know, particular bikes and spears might make sense. Yeah, and we, we're we both, our yeah, way through those. I was going to say, we must only be one short announcement away from a speeder bike, surely. And a trooper. Uh, <laughs> surely. It is imminent, yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the other, I mean, with, with the great kind of environments you've been making of, uh, of, uh, for like uh, Jabba's Palace, etc., I mean, one thing that I've, I've kind of been really hanging on tender to one, really praying you're going to do is a Millennium Falcon cockpit environment. Because mm-hmm. that would just be the coolest thing. Yeah, no I'm, I'm sure you can't say anything. I'm sure you're just gonna say, "Yeah, that'd be a cool thing." But yeah, that's just one. Of, that's one of my. That's on my real kind of watch list. <laughs> you know, the conversation. They say, say not the William Falcon, but the X-wing or a Tie Fighter cockpit. And then you start at some point go, "Why not make the rest of the ship?" That's what gets a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, the one six Falcon there. That's gonna be. That's gonna be quite something to see. I mean, it seems like even Hector was slightly scared of doing the bat. Yeah, so, um, well, what is actually happening <laughs> yeah. with that bat, actually? Are, they're, they're not going ahead right now, are they? That's just going to be too big, isn't uh, it? It's been turning and frying, hasn't it? Yeah, and they're doing, what, like smaller scale models of them now? Of uh, the bigger vehicles, I think, and they're going to start with the bat? That was the last thing I heard. What do you make of that, Brent, of, the, of that whole uh, the bat there from Hot Toys? It, you know, obviously, you've, you've seen it, but like, what, what do you think? I mean, how feasible and... How feasible is something like that? I mean, will people, in your well, opinion... Think, yeah, you're talking exactly the, the same language we are about the Money Falcon and the cockpit. It's just, it becomes a size and, and production question. Is it feasible mm-hmm. to make this piece in a way that folks can afford? And if so, how in the hell are they going to display that That wingspan six plus deep and just, just insane, just insane. And showstopper displays. And then when you really go through what it's going to take for the rather than this hardcore dancing, the mind just becomes a, a tough game. But, you know, kudos to them, credit to them for, for going the mile to think about it, to figure it out, to say, well, we might, we'll try it, and it does have for us to really make the prototype. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think the small-scale one is a safe way of making sure that people get on something of that. You know, yeah. <laughs> something that, that good, with that much accuracy. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool shit. Now, I was just wondering if we're going to kind of uh, wind these questions up. I thought we'd end, uh, if, you, if you're cool with this, on, on, the, on the, one of those kind of like where I shoot a couple of questions at you, just about what your favourite is. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so you, we're just, you've got about two seconds to answer these. Now, obviously, this is just for fun. This has nothing to do with the you favourite know, licence, etc. Just interrupt yeah? you, Jeff. I actually saw oh. The Master on Friday night. You saw what, sorry? The Master on Friday night. And there's literally a lightning oh. wrong question for this, so we're going to give Brad the Master type question. Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, type style here. <laughs> lightning round. Lightning round. <laughs> All right, mm-hmm. lightning round. Let's do it. Let me kick off. Yeah. Luke on hand. Oh, Luke. Uh, statue or articulated figure? Articulated figure. Come on. Yeah? One or beer? <sighs> Yeah, yeah. I got a point. <laughs> Sorry, rock, punk, or dance? Music. Oh. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> okay, uh, Ledger Braver. or Nicholson? Ah, <laughs> oh, Ledger. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then I'll, I'll wind up with the Predator or the Alien. Predator. Ooh. Oh, see, yeah. So I would answer. There we go. Oh, I'm, we I'm going to go all the way. Did, did, we, did we get the Marvel or DC answer? 
Well, I want to say, maybe he can't answer it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, unless you guys had, had any other like after after marker questions or after cuff questions for for Brander before we let him let go. I wanted well, to I put this on for a minute. That's a yes then with three people okay. talking. So, uh, James, what was your question for him? How much can you tell us about the next? Hot Toys Star Wars figures. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can tell you any more than than uh, he's already shared about a certain dreamy young Jedi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. No surprises there. No, no surprises there, James. <laughs> Jeff. They, they pretty much hit okay. the limit. Okay. It's going to be Anakin and, and Han. So. Ah, right, okay. Is it, is it that, on after Anakin? I believe that's what it's going to be, but uh, yeah. who knows? There's a, a lot of uh, interesting questions to be answered in, in, in that. A lot of excitement. Yeah. Can I just slip one more quick one? In actually, the because um, obviously one of the one of the things that a lot of people are really looking forward to is when you guys get around to doing the droids. I mean, you've done some droids and some excellent droids, but the droids, as in R2 and 3PO. And obviously, we've just had that amazing one released by. Uh, Jigokin, um, and, and it's, a, it's a little piece of art, but it's very, very expensive. I just wondered, have you, have you actually held it in your hands and had a look at it? I wonder what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, the diecast from 3PO is, is a beautiful yeah. piece, it's, uh, and it, it does have to be held to be appreciated, because yeah. the weight of the sucker is, is phenomenal. And yeah. The fact that they got the detailing and accuracy on it, plus that diecast metal, is just incredible. Yeah. But we do have uh, some excitement. Our own design team has been cracking away at the droids for a while, and in fact, you don't have to wait long before you see R2-D2. And it is by far the most ambitious, uh, most complex, most equipped R2-D2 that's been done in six kills of days. An uh, equipped R2-D2. That's you know, you know the, the hairs, I hate to say this, but the hairs at the back of my neck just stood up. <laughs> and I mean that. Me too, me too. <laughs> Fully equipped R2-D2. There you go. Um, um, one of my little last questions, actually, was going to be at the end. Just, just say for argument, say, say like the the Galactus or, or like the Dutch statue. How how long does that actually take? So obviously, I would imagine all these things start off with an initial pencil drawing sketch or a sketch by by one of the artists inside. How how long does that usually take, or does it vary greatly depending on approval stages and stuff like that? But on your average, how long does it take? A, 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 a statue or figure from like the initial approved prototype stage to being f- actually in our hands on the shelf is is, is it a year is it six months mm-hmm. what kind of time frame are we talking there believe it or not we spend on average a year in the development of a product wow design wow. sculpture and all the prototyping effort and then we spend roughly a year in the production effort making sure sampling is, is correct and everything is lined up and approved well before we're in the production process. Sometimes those two overlap when we're able to do some of the production and development in uh, the factories, which helps a great deal. And that's very true of our plastic lines because there's almost no other way to, to finish out prototypes that move and, and photograph as nicely as they should. And we're looking to shorten that time, uh, especially from the window for people to see product to, to actually having it in hand. But there's really no way for us to compress the overall development cycle. That's just what it takes to realize one of Sideshow's creations. So, two years. We live with most of these, these folks, two, two years or more 
uh, before they're fully delivered. Excellent. Cool, cool. And I'm just thinking, obviously, like Amy was saying, there's there's a lot of development stages, there's a lot of client stroke license, uh, licensee, or approval. Um, I mean, I, I would imagine sometimes it must get frustrating when you created what you consider to be like an absolutely amazing sculpt or likeness and you'd be told, uh, oh, no, no, we, we don't like that one. Because we, we, we all know we've all kind of, you know, bits have been sneak, sleek, sneaked out in the past on either on Facebook or whatever. And, and you know, <laughs> it, it must be for you as a, as a, as a kind of a, someone in control of the kind of the artistic integrity of your company, so frustrating when something you think is perfect isn't deemed perfect by the, uh, by the company. Well, I'll tell you, though, I think our, our most uh, critical voices are, are the internal art team at Sideshow. Our creative yeah. director, Tom, does a great job of holding us to a higher standard. And, mm. and our ambition grows and our talent grows. So what we would have been satisfied with a year ago, today we look at it and say, we can push this further. We can do more yeah. with it. Yeah. And uh, we're really not uncomfortable at all in our, our licensing relationships. We understand one another really well. And there's not so much of a delay there as much as it yeah. just to be fully satisfied by, by the internal team and what we believe the collectors are really going to want. It just takes that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Well, I thought I was all done there, uh, Brand, but I have one more question for you that just happened <laughs> to pop into my head. <clears throat> the uh, military line and the Western line, the historical yeah. figures, you know, I used to love those things, and it's been quite a while since we've seen much on that front. Any chance you guys might get in back into any of that? Mike, I would love to answer you differently, but it just seems that the, uh, the core audience that was there for military and, and old Western stuff has fallen out or moved on to other things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to explain that. I'm, I'm not expert enough, but uh, we keep trying, and it just doesn't seem to connect enough with uh, with the folks. So we're, you know, never, never say never, never let it die, guys. So we just sort of start talking about how to pervert it and make it work in our other ways. So <laughs> that's where zombie military zombies there you come go. from. And <laughs> And other interesting twists. Um, <laughs> Zombie so we can keep our hands on the fire. Yeah. Yeah, right. sounds great. Well, thanks a lot, Brent. You know, I've been a fan of the company for many, many years. You and I have been friends for many years, and I really appreciate the fact that you came on and took the time to talk to us today and, and give us the background information. Yeah. Thank Excellent. you so much for having me. Thank All right. Much thank, you. Thank, you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Oh, I think we've got a really winner. Yes, yeah, real pleasure. Excellent. Thank you very much again, Brent. Thank you very much. Cheers. Nice to meet you all. Talk to you Thanks, soon. Thanks, man. All right, okay, bye. cheers. Looking to find collectible figures at low cost with superior customer service? Fanboy Collectibles is one of the largest retailers of high-end collectibles on the east coast of the USA. Carrying a full array of hot toys, enter-based, sideshow collectibles, 3A, and all the top manufacturers. The Mexican International Package is shipped daily, all fully insured with tracking number and securely packed. Getting it to you as quickly is important, but not as important as your collectibles arriving in pristine condition. Are you looking to pre-order an item to guarantee you don't miss it when it's released? Well, Fanboy Collectibles does that too. If you've got a question about an item, give them a call, shoot them an email, or even leave them a message on their Facebook page. Fanboy Collectibles is available full-time to respond to you and to get your items to you as quickly as possible. Anyone can make a sale. Fanboy Collectibles knows the key to being successful is repeat customers. That comes from doing the right thing by you and making customer services their priority. Fanboy Collectibles. For some it's a hobby, to them it's an obsession. <laughs> Gentlemen, if you could all just bid our 
our listeners, adieu. 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 Thanks for listening. Adieu. As always. There you go. Thank you for allowing us into your ears this day. And as with any high-end action figure, always, always handled with care.